it's, um, I prayed for the Lord to direct me to a place where I could um, camp in the scriptures. And um, I say this often, if you pray the right prayers, you'll get an answer pretty quick. Okay, so just saying. That's anyways, that's my experience. When I finally get to that right phrase, bing, you know, it's right there. I'm like, wow, other things I pray and labor over and blah, 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 blah. You know, it's like you, you're on a need to know basis. You don't need to know, you know, that kind of, that kind of thing. So um, get me here. Here we go. So um, it takes me to Gideon. I'm like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, they also were in a battle with the Midianites and fighting for their lives and living in a much lower place than they knew they were called to live at as Israelites. They were to be the head, not the tail, and they were hiding out. And we find at the beginning of um, Judges 6, Gideon is thrashing wheat in the wine press. So he's doing the right thing in the wrong place so that he can survive. It's survival, survival mode. You do what you have to do when you're just surviving, right? And um, so interesting thing and a story, and you revisit it. We know the story from, you know, it's a Sunday school version of it. And then you go back and you really start looking at it and make the application like, whoa, wow, this is really good. And, and there's a lot to it. And it, it really ministered to me. One of the things that's very interesting in the story of Gideon is that, um, at a certain point, after he's anointed, and he blows a horn after he's gone through some things, I might overview review that, all these men come to him. Yeah, let's fight the, the Midianites. I mean, a lot of people. How many of you know, anytime you're in ministry and you give a clarion call to your vision and your mission, and a lot of people show up, you're happy. Yeah, like, wow, this is great. Good, 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 good. And, and, then, and then that happens because he, he's anointed. Like, it's not like he's evil or, you know, does it in a bad way. And, and then the Lord has something to say. He has, has a word of encouragement. There's too many. That is not what anyone, any leader, anybody wants to hear, any businessman, any whatever. Too many. You know, like, Lord, what was that again? What was that? You know, there's too many. And um, one of the most challenging things to go through in our walk with the Lord is when he's like, there's too many. Or maybe it'll be, there's too much money. You're like, oh, no, I was feeling really good about having enough money in the checkbook to pay bills. Like, that, that didn't bother me at all, Lord. Nope, too much. And we're like scrambling, what's wrong? What did I do? What did my relatives do? Like, you know, where's this coming from? And we put a lot of energy into fixing that thing, right? I mean, who wouldn't? And the Lord instructs him. It's like, here, say to whoever is too afraid just to go back to their houses. Oh, that had to be a hard message to deliver. Um, thank you all for showing up in the thousands. I feel really good about you all being here. But if you're a little bit afraid of what we're about to do, just go back to your homes. He's probably hoping a few leave, you know? And a lot of them leave. He's like, well, I survived that. Lord, how you feeling now? You know, how are we doing now? You know, what's the word now? Like, there's still too many. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. 
Have you seen how many enemies there are? How many Midianites and all their relatives? There's a lot of them. And they're nasty and they, they, they mean to devour us. They're tormenting, harassing us. This is not a joke. It's serious. And the Lord says there's still too many. Gets this thing down, reduced down to 300. I can't get off of this. And in, in verse six, chapter 6, he gets this visitation from, from the angel. And um, we find out later in that chapter, he doesn't even know who he's dealing with. The angel Lord comes up and then, then he has a revelation like, oh my gosh. You know, that moment where you go, am I going to live one of those? I don't know if you've, I don't know if you, how close you've gotten to the presence of the Lord. Someone asked me once, uh, you know, back in the days of the tent, and I was really waiting on the Lord a lot, and like really in the mode, you know, in that thing, and uh, really given a lot of time just sitting, waiting, meditating, praying, reading my Bible, and uh, it was a really awesome time. It's hard to get back into those things when life distracts you and pulls you away. But anyways, I was remembering feeling called to the tent one night, and this, there was a light coat of snow on the ground. And uh, of course, it was just, you know, closer to my house than this is, just a little. And, and so I walk up, and I'm aware that I'm leaving footprints. I have such a sense that the presence is there that I, I don't know what's going to happen. Like, that's how real it was. Like, every step was, and I'm aware, I'm leaving tracks. <laughs> he came, but he never left, that kind of thing. Like, you know, what will it, what's my eulogy going to be? Well, he came, but he never left. Like, whatever. I just didn't know. Uh, that was how much of a premonition and expectation there was. So I go in the tent, I sit, and uh, it's just quiet. Like, it just was, and I sat and I waited, waited on the Lord. Didn't experience anything, which I, I was so expecting to, I actually was surprised. So I wait, and I sit before the Lord, pray, you know, spend time up there. I eventually go back. I'm telling, I'm probably Diane about this, because it sounds like one of her comments, and uh, I'm like, I went up to the tent, da, da, da. she goes, did, did the Lord's presence come? And I said, I said, no, like, did that happen? I said, no, <laughs> I'm still alive. Like, <laughs> like, I'm still here living. So no, it didn't. I, I walked away from it. So that thing, like that thing what didn't happen. So Gideon has that experience. Oh my gosh. Oh my. And, and the Lord has to comfort him. You will live and not die in verse um, 23. Peace be with you. Do not fear. You shall not die. That's because of the presence he was in. So this is a little nurturing of the fear of the Lord. Like, yeah, he's not, Jesus isn't my buddy. Okay, yeah. So you get there, and I know he loves us, and he lo I know he's welcoming, but there's, there's this thing. Let's not get too familiar where he's just like, hey, dude, hey, Jesus, you know, you showed up. Like, I don't think. So, the first thing Jesus, the Spirit of the Lord says to him, the angel says to him, who's waiting for him, so this is a manifestation, Gideon goes, and, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him in verse 12, the Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. So he calls him something. I'm reviewing this, but I, I can't move off of this thing. He calls him the mighty man of valor, and Gideon begins to complain. 
he tells him this, like, the Lord's with you, and he immediately has a complaint to the Lord, like, hey, where are you at? I know who you're supposed to be. You've never prayed prayers like this, right? I know you said, I know what you've done other places, and you're, okay, which is very risky talking to the Lord like that. Caught the Surgeon General warns you, you know, like, don't, don't pray like that. So it's interesting the Lord allows that and, and lets him complain. And I believe Gideon knew what was really going on. He should have known what was going on because as a nation, they had returned to worshiping idols. And every time they do that, life goes bad. You'd think they'd learn. You'd think we'd learn. <laughs> Now they're captives again. They're living for fear of their lives because what? Because they started worshiping idols again. And Gideon's aware of this because he has some things he has to do. And the Lord says this to him, go in this might of yours. You shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. So I was like, what is that phrase? Go in this might of yours. What is this? Because I also know another scripture, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now, I know that my might is not hardly ever, probably never a good thing. When I'm, I'm going to fix this, you know, when I'm in that mode, it's fine if it's the lawnmower. It's not fine if it's kingdom stuff or church stuff. That never works out. I know I look like an idiot through the years. I have all kinds of ideas, but I either don't even try because I know, nope, this is me, or I do try and it falls on his face and I'm like, I'm watching Jehovah's Witnesses put up new buildings all over the place, you know, and, and we're in a tent. I'm, I'm, I'm Gideon, like, where, what's the deal? They aren't even doctrinally right. How can that be? How can you bless them? And like, what's that? You know? And I don't want to hear the blah, blah, blah. They got a building and I'm in a tent. And I got to pull snow off of it. It's a lot of work. It's cold. It's hot. It's this. It's that. It's fun. I'm done playing house. Like, we have a real building. You know, that thing. Everybody else does. And, and the word to Gideon was, go in this might of yours. I'm like, I just like, so what is his might? So I start really paying attention to this. What was Gideon in? And the Lord, instead of correcting him, it's like, he's like, where are you at? He's like, yeah, let's go. You know, it's kind of like that thing where the Lord says, yeah, let's go. Let's go destroy the Midianites. Huh? <laughs> like, yeah, let's go. I'm ready. Yeah, it's good. It's a problem. Let's, let's do this. And I wrote this out, the existence of a, of a legitimate complaint over injustice, because that's what this was about. This was an injustice, and it's like, we as a people shouldn't be living like this. We shouldn't be living under enemies. We should be the head, not the tail. We should be overcoming. We should have them in fear. The complaint over, an in, over injustice is the evidence of a belief and awareness that something is wrong. 
when we don't see healing, a, a, a complaint about that and a, and a, is, is actually the evidence that you go, this shouldn't be. We should have the move of God here. We should have manifestations of the Lord. We should have answers. Things should be moving and going, and this isn't okay because it doesn't fit the story. It doesn't fit the history. And so if that thing, the Lord's like, yeah, stir it up a little bit. You're not allowed to be in the flesh about it, but when he, when he found that in Gideon, he didn't suppress it. Like, we'd be like, stop your complaining, right? And so something's wrong. He knew something is wrong. So then the Lord says, go in this might of yours or this, see, it's a deep conviction to see the Lord vindicated, to see the nation be a testimony to the Lord rather than be the laughing stock of their enemies. It was the worst of the worst. Instead of just conquering them, the Midianites go, oh, you know, it, what was the movie? Ants? Like, remember the animated movie, Ants? And the grasshoppers were like, hey, we'll be back at harvest time. Y'all work hard. And they come buzzing in. You know, they're like helicopters. They're grasshoppers. You know, they come in. And they're there. We're here for the harvest. You know, Lance worked, all, worked hard all year, and now we're ready to receive what you've, you've, you've created. And, that, and when you're living like that, wow, it's not a good thing. And so the Lord comes. He's like, it's time. It's time to rise. It's time to go in this might of yours. And the might is the passion for the Lord to be vindicated. It's, it's, beyond, it's not selfish. It's beyond that. It's, a, it's, a it's time for the church to be glorified. So if you have a, a, an anxiousness and a complaint that the church doesn't look like it's supposed to look, because I don't think it does, at large, here, whatever. Like, don't keep saying, oh, we're okay. Like, no, this is like, the Lord hasn't given up on us, but there's, there's so much more. Like the glorious church. Uh, Johnny Enlow keeps saying that. He's like, the world hasn't seen the glorious church yet. We're not done. This isn't the end. I'm like, oh, yeah, preach it, baby. Like, yeah, I agree. This can't be the end because we haven't, we haven't shined yet. Jesus hasn't shined through the church. It hasn't, it hasn't gone from one end of the earth to the other. Like, we've not become yet. We didn't get there yet. And unless the Lord's done with us and wants to sentence billions of souls to hell, then it can't be the end. It looks like it. And we've been learning, uh, Robin Bullock was so, so good about this, it really captured my attention. He's like, the enemy's always trying to push the timeline. I'm like, what? We think this thing's just, stuff's just locked, and he's like, the enemy's trying to push the timeline. I'm like, why would he do that? Because he doesn't care who dies. And maybe, maybe, I don't know, I've just been thinking about this probably too much. I'm like, does he not really know how this ends up? We always said, oh, yeah, he knows how, you know, how it ends. It, it is in the end. But what if he doesn't believe that? What if he believes he can get us screwed up enough, which isn't that hard in most days, that will defile ourselves and ruin the whole promise? Like, you know, like we've been shooting ourselves in the foot for a good while since the beginning of time, back to the garden. Like, here, eat this apple. Eat this fruit from this tree. You'll get smart. Oh, they got smart all right. They fell. Do you understand? 
what he, the victory he felt at that moment, the enemy did, like a Gotham. Now God has to judge them. And they won't become what they are called to be. So it is possible. I'm, I'm off on the left here a little bit. So I'm really thinking he doesn't even believe. I'm really thinking if he can screw this up, if he can get in the middle. And, and you know, the real way is get us off. Get us to stop believing. Get us to stop confessing. Get us to stop following the Lord. Get us to stop, stop going after the promises. Get us discouraged. Let a couple things happen and you're checking out. You're busy with your life. You're da-da-da-da-da. And that, that thing, Kevin's message last week, like, oh my gosh, it's so good. Like this thing, this thing he's been on. So, so powerful. Stir up the gift. Because when you let that gift go dormant, you, you don't look pretty anymore. Like you lose your glow. You lose your glory. And bad stuff starts happening. All because I know what happens when I activate my gift. I actually know things to do when it stirs up. So dummy, do that more often, you know. Make sure you stir up your gift. Make sure you do things that get you stirred up. What's your, what's your gift? Not my gift, your gift. What is it? I don't even limit it. I don't really even, it doesn't even matter what it is. I just know when you're in it, you're fully alive. Do you know what I'm talking about? So stir that up and keep that stirred up. And when Kevin was sharing that message, he's like, for something, and he, he made this observation. I'm like, Kevin, dang, this is really, really good stuff. Between chapter, uh, book one, Timothy one and Timothy two, something happened to Timothy. Life happened. Kevin explained it. Life happened to him. I'll tell you what happened. Life had, happened. Maybe he got married and had a baby. Life happened. You're off. You're not getting your sleep. Things are happening. And so, so you're, you're off your game and your gift goes, shut down. You stop prophesying. Stop having words. Stop having dreams. Stop having visions. And you're moping. You're watching other people that have visions and dreams and motivation and ministry and fruitfulness. And it makes you depressed. They're doing better than you. You're like, oh, you know, now we're the little three-year-old sitting on the front row pounding. Like, and the Lord comes to us and said, get up. Stir up your gift. You got it too. You got the same stuff. Get alive again. I designed you. I placed this. I gave you these callings, these giftings. Get in your gift. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. If you work with your hands and it's a gift, then it's a gift. You'll feel fully alive. If you, if you do this, if you do that, it doesn't matter what you do. It just matters. Identify your gift. I, I remember meeting on our trip down to Florida. We stopped at a, ho a restaurant one afternoon, and there was this black kid. I wish I could have just got out of myself and said this to him. A very handsome young man. His name was Christian. I, I'm like, and I, it highlighted, and I prayed for him afterwards, but that, I mean, I wish I could have just, and I wanted to say to him, I know he's college age, like he's right there. And I wanted to say to him, don't just look for your career, look for your destiny. It may or may not be the same thing. There'll be some, something you do that's, that you make money at, but 
that may or may not be your destiny. Like, find that. Isn't that to say to somebody, look for your destiny? Our young people, they're, you know, like, what am I going to do? You know, finding a job, finding a career, finding a whatever. Sometimes you're 55 years old and you still haven't feel like you found your thing, you know. But it's about finding your destiny. It's about finding that thing. This is what will make you come alive. It may not pay as much. It may be changed. It may, you may be able to stay right where you're doing. But the point is, find that thing. So let's tie in this thing where the Lord says to Gideon, go in, this, go in this might of yours, go in this passion of yours for justice to see things. You're on the right track, Gideon. And Gideon immediately does something unusual. He says, if you're with me, prove it, verify. I want verification. Listen, I'm gonna give you a rundown of the story of, of Gideon. The commission, go in this might of yours, the first sign, so he starts giving him signs. Then his eyes are open, perception, he realizes, oh my gosh, I just encountered the spirit of the Lord. <coughs> this wasn't just an ordinary angel. This was the spirit of the Lord. Ah. Then he starts to get instructions, part one. Then he has to face the relatives. You always got to face the relatives. You always got to face the relatives. Don't worry about the Mennonites. The first, maybe the bigger giant you gotta face is the relatives. His father's house. And read the account, it wasn't simple. They wanted to kill him when he followed the first instructions. Tear down that altar. Like, <laughs> are you kidding me? They'll kill me. Have you ever said that? If I do that, they'll kill me. They really, they really meant to kill him. They came and found Gideon's father and like, hey, bring your son out. We're going to kill him. He just tore down this altar. And his father stands up, should have stood up a long time ago because what were you guys doing with that thing anyways? And he says, no. And they changed Gideon's name from Gideon to Jerubal, which means let Baal contend. Let him contend for himself. He's such a big deal. Let him come and destroy, kill Gideon. If he's mad about his altar. And so Gideon, he gets through that thing with his life. And they, the men stop. They realize that I don't know what all happened. We don't get a detailed version. But they let him live and they back off. And, and that's when the spirit of the Lord comes on him. And he blows the trumpet and gathers all these people. So he gets a new name. Let Baal plead for him. Then the anointing comes. He blows the trumpet. Then there's a second sign. It's not wrong to ask for signs. It's not wrong to ask for confirmations because you got to know that you know. And the Lord wants to, he wants you to know. He don't want you to go half cocked because you've got to face life and death situations. And so when you're doing that, you need to know. Then he gets a third sign. I'm like, wow, I didn't realize there was so much. Then there's the first cut. Then there's a second cut. Still too many, okay. Then the instructions part two in Judges chapter seven, verse nine. Then the fourth sign confirmation in Judges seven, 10 through 14. Like he keeps getting these indications and signs. So that's, that's, number, that's four in that passage. And after he gets that sign, then he does what? He worships, boom. And he gets a strategy, implements the strategy, strategy, is 
a trumpet, a light shade, light shade, and a flashlight. That was what he told these 300 men that were left, that were like, we'll go with you anywhere. So, okay, here's what we're going to do, guys. Get your trumpet. All right. And here's a lampshade. They call it, it was a pitcher. It, it, somehow, I don't know how this worked. They put it over, they had a torch. They put that over, over the torch. Because when they go out, the instructions were, break that, that pitcher. I don't know, they smashed it against a tree so that all of a sudden the light would come out and blow your trumpet. I think the trumpet was the right hand. The, and the, I mean, it was just all specific, very, very detailed. I don't know if there was a sound to them crashing those, uh, those, those pottery vessels. I don't know. But, and, and the one sign was Gideon's still afraid. He says, okay, go into the camp of the enemy. And I want you to take you with him, your servant. And he hears one man tell another man of his dream. And, the, and his friend interprets it and said, oh, I know what that barley loaf is ro rolling in here, destroying our tent. That's the sword of Gideon. And Gideon was like, hot dang, like I'm good. The enemy, what's that? The enemy knows, they must have Facebook. The enemy knows, they know about me. They know about me. They just think he gets his confirmation from the enemy, from the enemy's camp. Like, think about that. Like, wow, isn't that crazy? Sometimes it's like they're more afraid of you than you think they are. They know what your potential is, whoever they are. You think you're just defeated. It's like, mm, not so fast. If your enemy has any perception at all of who you are and what happens if you get ignited, They'll work double hard to keep you suppressed and quiet. He gets his instructions. He follows it out. He declares war. And man, does he start defeating. He, he goes all the way. Let me tie this in with another interesting story. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Who's there? Who that? Who is this? It's almost exactly the same. I never put the two things together. It's David and Goliath. He's sent to the battlefield. He's a young, ruddy, he's the guy that watches the goats. Teenager. He's got to be a teenager. He thinks he knows it all, right? That's how I know. All teenagers feel that way. Like, I, got I know it all. Like, oh, okay. Only in that, in that place that he was, he did know. He knew something key that everybody else had forgotten. And he carried something in his heart. So he goes and he's sent to bring food to his brothers and also the captain of the army, I think. Some cheese, some bread. They've got to be hungry. They've been out there standing on their mountains contending with Goliath and the Philistines. David gets out there. He starts hearing about the king's reward, if whoever kills the Philistine. And then, and then he, he's like, huh. And so, in verse 26 of chapter 17, it says, Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? 
4, and then he asked the question which reveals his heart, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? So that's the key. It was the injustice and the complaint based on who they were, who his people were, believing with all of his heart that they were, they were righteous, they were God's favored, and his question, who the heck is this guy, I don't care how big he is, that's defying the army standing over there taunting us, who, and who is he? How can this be? Like, he, he was young enough and untrained enough that he, that he believed what everybody else had conceded about. Like, whoa, he's strong, he's big, he's tall. He's nine foot tall, he's 10 foot tall, whatever the, your definition of the measurements are. Big works for me, bigger than me definitely works for me with a lot of armor and the biggest dang spear you ever saw in your life. Like that, I'm good, yeah, I get it, he's scary. And, and David challenges that. Now listen, he didn't go appeal to the king. He came with this confidence and the king like, word got to the king that this kid thinks he can take him out. He should have never had an audience with the king. But Saul calls him, it's like, come here. And he recognizes him in him this fearlessness this resolve because of where he was standing and what he believed. Have you ever encountered someone that just believes? You're like, wow. And you realize how much you don't believe? You don't know whether to slap yourself or, I mean, it's hard to see sometimes. You find someone that just has this, just, just pure faith. Like, yeah, what happened to me? I've been thinking too much, I think. Must have been listening to the relatives too much. I don't know, what is it? You know, what, why, do we, why do we allow ourselves to be cast down and start agreeing with the, with the enemy? Oh, Lord, I feel so convicted. And I get there. I was spending way too much time there. David didn't have that, and the king's like, Her, wow, okay, let me dress you up in my armor, and we're going to send you in. Besides, it doesn't cost us anything. He's a ruddy kid, like no expense. And what, what can it hurt, you know? I don't know what the king was thinking. I was like, I would have been too embarrassed to do that, but he did it. Dressed David all up. And remember, what did he do? Get this stuff off of me. I, I, don't, it's not been t I don't know how to function in this armor. Take it off. I can't do this. You allow me to dress up like I do as a shepherd boy, and I'm dangerous. This is Phyllis' prayer time. What's the scripture? Interesting, huh? <clears throat> and they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives even to death. Father, right now we are in the midst of this conversation on this word, looking at David, looking at Gideon. 
I had a passion and had a complaint about the way things were and the audacity to believe that if you were with them, they could overcome by the word of their testimony. So, Father, for our nation, for our country, we just lift up that you will rise. We ask that you will rise up, rise up Davids and Gideons to fight this fight and to go in this might, this might, not the might of the flesh, but this resolve that your name will be glorious, that your testimony will be for. We live for something greater than ourselves. We live for your name and for your kingdom. And we know that you will give us God's speed. And we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. <clears throat> David then instructs the king. He has a story. He has faith. He has confidence. He knows he can overcome monsters. He goes, hey, I want to tell you a story. This lion came up, grabbed one of the lambs of the, of the, of the uh, flock that I was watching. And see, if you're playing it safe, you'd be like, the lion grabs one lamb and you still have the flock and all the other lambs. And you realize he's preoccupied because he just nabbed up one of the lambs and he's going to eat it, okay? But that also means you're safe and the rest of the flock's safe while he goes and does that. So it's very easy to go, I'll just leave this alone. I don't want to stir up anything. I don't want to attract the attention of the lion. So I'll just let this one slide. I'll go home and tell dad, hey, dad, I lost a lamb today, right? Who's going to blame him? It was a big lion. I saved the rest of the flock. But David had something else in him. He went, this is the mother with every one of their children. Go mess with their children. You'll see some of the meekest women there's a lion inside, Roar, fearless. They don't think. They're just like, that's my child. They'll go, they don't care. And, the, and this, was, this was David. He looked at that lion and said, oh, no, you don't. You're not having that lamb. He goes after him. He nails the lion. He kills the lion, and he saves the lamb. Now, you're feeling pretty good about life when you do that. I mean, he, wow. Like, don't you feel good when you've, you've overcome something, you had the strength and the might, and you prayed through it? I have to do that all the time. <laughs> and at the end of it, you go, I did it. Have these little secret, what that does is it builds your confidence. You go, I know I can do this. With God, all things are possible. I prayed, I was in this situation and I prayed and the Lord delivered me. And I was in that situation and I prayed and the Lord delivered me. And I was in this, this circumstance and I prayed and the Lord delivered me. And then you got a pocket full of, I know I can. I know the Lord's with me. And David had that and he looks at the king and it's like, I know what I can do. Get, let me out there. Walks up to him. <laughs> the, the, the giant mocks him. He goes, go in this might of yours, David. And he walks up with his slingshot, which didn't look mighty, just saying. And, and he takes him out. He calls him what he is, you uncircumcised Philistine, you defied. Let, let's look at his words. Like, this is, this is where he stood. No wonder, no wonder he took that giant down. It's verse 26, I think, if I can find. I might have the wrong things. 
<coughs> Excuse me. Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, well, oh, no, no, that's the wrong place. It's uh, 45 and 47, I think. For who is it? Yeah, who's this uncircumcised? And um, he's out there. He faced him. The Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give you the carcass of the camp, uh, give you, and this, uh, this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air. But he, he went beyond. Dave, he went beyond Goliath, didn't he? Like, I'm going to wipe all of you out with a slingshot. And the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in, there is a God in Israel for the sake of Israel, whom is God's beloved, I will do this. Then all of this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. <coughs> you get aligned with that kind of resolve. You get aligned with the name of the Lord, his kingdom, his name, to make him, to make him uh, famous. Now you're standing on good ground. I think so often we've tried to do things. We kind of have kind of good words, but there's a higher thing. It's bigger than you. You get lined up with praying for his namesake and his kingdom and representing him. That makes you brave. And he did. Cut off his head with his own sword pretty soon. Yeah, wow. Well, he, did, he went in that might of his, and he, he had this resolve not overcome. So when the Lord finds you, you have an injustice, and you're, you're screaming out, like, where's the God of Israel? Where's, where's, where's the miracles? Where's this? That's fine. The Lord's like, okay. And he wants to confirm to you that he's with you. That's the thing awful. also we, we leave out. We don't get a good foundation of believing. <coughs> We go in our own. We assume too many things. Like build your history with the Lord. And stand in that history. And get a revelation of who he really is. So that when you fight that giant. You're not fighting in your own. You're not fighting for yourself. This is something greater, greater than you. If every normal mother can totally throw her life on the railroad tracks to save her, their child. Then how much more can we? Because this is, this is about, this is something bigger than you. This is about the Lord's name. This is about his kingdom. It's about, and, and, and just apply that to whatever you have injustice about. He will be with us. So, today I want to um, pray with anybody that's willing. You have that in you, and you want the Lord to, to make you brave so that you can 
that you can find your place to fight and that you can go after the things that you feel an injustice about, then, then come up and I, I want to just pray over you, just a simple prayer of faith, that the Lord will give you strategy, that he will encounter you, that he will give you confirmations. It's, it's not a bad thing to say, Lord, give me a confirmation. Lord, show me. Because he wants you to know. Gideon kept doing this. Once he got his stuff, oh my goodness, did he, did he, ever, did he ever wreak havoc on the enemy? I mean, even with, with his, the, his own people taunting him the whole way. Like, who do you think you are, Gideon? He just kept on going. I'll tell you who I am. I'll show you who I am. I'm standing in the place you should be standing. I'll be back. And, and, he, and he did. He came, taking captive kings. I'm like, good grief. The rest of the story of Gideon is like, oh, my goodness. And Israel returned to worshiping the Lord. So we need to commit these things. I know we had the frustration about a lot of stuff. We got that. We've got the complaint. Now we just need to ground ourselves and direct the complaint towards and hear the Lord say, now go in this might of yours because you want to see his name glorified. You want to see the church glorified. You want to see his name like his kingdom come and his will be done. Because that other thing is killing, stealing, and destroying people's lives. And for such a time as this, like all of heaven and earth is waiting for the sons of God to manifest, come forward. So, yeah, come up and, and your coming forward can be a step of faith, uh, can be an activation. Um, and then, and this isn't about you getting strong in yourself. This is about this encounter Gideon had, that, that David had, that he, he went, it's like, let's get that story out of the Sunday school class. And let's, let's get that into our lives. Like, wow, okay, okay, I'll believe. I'll follow the Lord. I'll hear what he's saying.